Um, but hey, welcome to Loving On My Day Once. Super excited to talk about this topic tonight. Um, but before we do, I want to ask this question. What is something that when you first discovered it, it was so awesome that you just had to share it with others or tell somebody about it? Discuss it for like 30 seconds. And I'll bring us back. I, I hear a lot, of, a lot of things out there. Can anyone shout one out? We got dry shampoo. What else? Big League Chew. Oh, hey, dude, shoes. That makes way more sense than Big League Chew. Um, yeah, golf clubs. Guilty confession, these girls said sham, uh, dry shampoo. I remember getting married not too long ago. And I was like, Grace, what is that? And she goes, it's, she was spraying dry shampoo. And I, I'm like, why, does, why do guys not have this? It's like degreaser in a can. And it's amazing. And I have used it before. It is, it's amazing. I'm like, why, why don't girls tell guys this exists? Um, I don't do it often, but I have used it in a pinch, and it's amazing. Um, but I, I've done this all the time. I think of, like, when I saw the movie Greatest Showman, I just loved it so much. I had to tell people, like, it was amazing. I was unashamed about it. I remember in the seventh grade, um, I, I, I discovered Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. You could play online with your friends all night. And I like, when I discovered that, I told, I was like, to all my friends, you guys gotta play. This is amazing. And so I just, you just, when something's good, you just like sharing it. And that's the kind of, what we're gonna talk about a little bit tonight. But first I wanna introduce myself just for a second so you know who I am. Um, my name is Carson. I got married this last year to my wife, Grace. And uh, I love, I, I just want to say that because I, I love Grace. I'm super grateful um, to, be, to be married to her. Um, but both of us, um, both of us came into K, we went to KU for undergrad, and it was, at, it was in undergrad that we both began to follow Jesus and experience his life that he has to offer. And SMC was huge for both of us. Last night, I didn't know this, but last night Grace was like, 10 years ago today, I began to follow Christ. And, and I was like, man, that is amazing. And SMC was a big part of, of my journey as well and uh yeah and so a huge opportunity and so i just am super grateful we are here and, and it, it both for both of us there was someone in our life that was sharing something with us they were sharing their faith with us that helped us get to smc and helped us take steps forward in in our walk with god in our journey with god so that's what we're looking at tonight this idea of sharing your faith and when i think about this idea of sharing like sharing anything I think like we really love to share something when we when we see something as as valuable as awesome. Like I definitely love to share things that I don't like. I remember in the seventh grade I would share my applesauce in my lunchbox because I didn't like it. I would share that every day. I didn't, but my gushers. So I was like not about to share that every day. Um, but something. But there is when you share something special, something valuable. There's something. There's something to it um, that takes the, this joy of sharing to a whole another level and it's and it's when we get to see something that's so good so special but that we can't help but to share it and there's a word that i think describes it's been used for centuries that describes something like that something is so good and so valuable i i, I want it super badly and it's that word treasure when you guys hear the word treasure what do you guys think of pirates, pirates. yeah x marks the spot maybe something when you heard the word treasure you thought of, yeah, uh, the X marks the spots, a, a pirate pirate hunt, um, or like National, Gia, uh, National Treasure, um, Nicolas Cage, one of the best movies of all time. 
Maybe you got of this guy, um, Jack Sparrow, in his pursuit of that treasure chest of, of diamonds and rubies and gold, something very um, tr like valuable. Or maybe you thought of this guy, uh, Bruno Mars, um, the hit treasure. Um, I can't see. But but who in here, when you heard that word treasure, thought this? Thought Jesus. Jesus is a treasure. But that is honestly exactly what he is. And the Bible describes him as this. And it's one of my favorite pictures that the Bible gives or images that the Bible gives for what a relationship with Jesus is like. In, in, in Matthew 13, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had to buy that field. One guy in this story, in this parable, wasn't necessarily looking for anything, but when he stumbled upon it, he realized what he had found, that he had found something extremely valuable, a great treasure, that it was that it, he was willing to give up everything he had because so he could get this, because he knew it was so valuable. He would gladly, in his joy, give up everything he had. The other guy was looking. He, he was searching for something valuable. Maybe it was for a couple months or a couple years, but finally he found it, and when he did, he was willing to do whatever it took to take hold of this treasure because of its great value. And that's what, that's what Jesus is. He is more than anything. He's a treasure to be found and to be cherished, but why? Why is Jesus a treasure. I think we've heard a lot of it this this week, but just a couple things that makes Jesus a treasure. What happens when someone steps into a relationship with Christ, when they find him? It's a couple things. The, the first thing is they go from having no life, like, like uh, Pastor P was saying this morning, to having life forever, eternal life. They go from walking zombies and dead to eternal life. They go from guilty, and when someone finds Christ, they're, they're forgiven. And they have a new record, a new righteousness in him. They go from separated from God to an, a relationship that lasts forever with the heavenly father. They go from an enemy of God because of their sin to a son or a daughter, a child of God. They go from slave to sin with no power to freedom and victory in, in a life of freedom from the power of sin they go from a self-directed life to a, a spirit-powered life. The last one, they go, for, and there's many more than this. These are just a couple. They go from an eternal punishment that they're deserving because of their wrath to an eternal inheritance and a reward. I mean, just when someone steps into that relationship with Christ, this is what they receive. This is what the Bible promises. I think there's a verse that just sums it up in a cool way, and it's Colossians 1, 13 and 14. 13 and 14, and it says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the, the forgiveness of sins. Some of you guys may have found this treasure. Maybe it was, it was, this, it was this, this last couple days that you have found it and decided to sell, your field, to sell everything you have to buy that field. Some of you may have been looking into it all semester, and maybe you guys have discovered it and bought that field 
a few weeks ago or a few months ago or, or a couple years ago, and some of you guys may just still be investigating, like, is, this, is he actually a treasure? And that is totally okay. But I think, and I would bet this, that we all have people in our life, if not us, that don't know Jesus, that don't have this treasure of a relationship with Christ and are not following him with their life. And probably many of us, this is true of probably most of the people that we're close to, not just a couple, but probably most of the people in our life, they're not following, they haven't experienced this treasure. Like think about your parents, your siblings, maybe it's a, it's a younger brother or like an old, older sister or, or a old high school friends that used to run around with, your pledge brothers, your pledge sisters, current roommate, college teammate, your coworkers, grandparents, your cousins, probably tons of people in your life that you really, really care about and you really love don't have, have, don't have a relationship with God and haven't experienced the treasure of knowing Jesus. I know this was true for me. Um, but if you have begun to follow Christ, you may have begun to taste what kind of treasure this actually is. And you may begin to think, I want others to experience this too. I want the people that I care about to know this treasure. This was true for me when I began to, to really understand what I had in Christ and what God had done in my life. I began to think about my family and my, my, my mom, my dad, my sister, my, my brother, my roommates, my pledge brothers, my, my, my pledge brother Will, my, my best friend from high school, his name was David. None of these people were following Christ. And I remember thinking, man, I want them to know what I'm experiencing, this treasure of Christ. And the more we experience the treasure and discover what, he, what we really have in Christ, I, I think this desire for others around us to know him grows. That we, it grows more and more. And so that's what we're looking at in this breakout. We're looking at loving on my day ones. How do I share my faith with the people that I'm closest to, the people I love and care about? And how can I point them to a relationship with Jesus? And I'm excited to talk about this because this is honestly a huge part of our, of our walk with God, of, of our getting to experience to follow Jesus. That if I have one life, one life alone, God not only wants us to, to invest it and, and, and get to experience a life in a relationship with him, but God wants to use our life to impact the people around us, the people that you know already. And I'm not the perfect example of this. We are going to look at who I think is an amazing example of this from the Bible in a little bit, but I, I can promise you and say that some of the most rich and special and most, the memories that I will forever want to keep are directly tied to this, to this topic, to sharing your faith, what you have with Jesus. Some of the best moments of my life have to do with what we're going to talk about tonight. And so um, we're going to ask, how, how do you share your faith with people that are close, and what does it look like? And we're going to look at a passage from the Apostle Paul. I think Paul was in a great example of this. Paul not only loved people really well, but he pointed people to Jesus. And in this passage, we're going to see two things. We're going to go back for a second. We're going to see two things. Um, yeah, really, what is the driving motivation for sharing our faith? And then the second and third are what are the two things that God has called us to share? Like what do we actually share with people? So read it with me. It says, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well. 
because you had become so dear to us. And so the first thing that we see is what I believe is Paul's motive, like foundational motivation to share his faith. And it's because we share because we love. That's your first major point. We share because we love. Because Paul loved so much, Paul shared his faith. And it says, we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you. We were delighted to share um, with you. Um, and so for Paul, sharing his faith was a matter of love, 100%. It was a matter of how much he loved someone. And Paul, the context of this, of this verse is Paul is writing to a people that he actually got to share his faith with and see come to follow Jesus. And he's writing this letter to this town, these, these people who have come to Christ in this town of Thessalonica to remind them what that looked like. How, how he shared his faith with them, but also to remind them how much he really did care for them. And that word, loved you so much, is a powerful word. It's, a, it's the word ag, ag, agapetos. And it means dearly loved, esteemed, beloved. It's the same word that God uses to describe his love for his son, Jesus. And, and that's what Paul is saying, how much he loved the people in Thessalonica. And, and why Paul loved them is because of the relationship he had with them. That Paul had come to live in their town, um, and, and Paul Paul got to know them. He, he did life with them. He built memories with them. He saw their life up close. He, he, he got to enjoy laughs with them. He probably cried with them. He got to know who they were and their, and their kids. Paul knew them. He was great friends with them. And he actually describes... His, his relationship with them like like that of, of a between a mother and her nursing child so close they became like close family and because he loved them so much it says that Paul was delighted to share now when I think of the word delighted I think of ease I think of comfort like like the experience when you when you get at chick-fil-a like man the experience at chick-fil-a is just comfort it's ease it's pleasure but if we read the ver the context of this verse, that is the total opposite of, of, of what was going on in Paul's life. In the chapter right in this same chapter right before this verse, Paul actually tells us that before he came to Thessalonica, he was in a town called Philippi. And, and he stayed in that town and, and he decided to open up his mouth and tell the Philippians about Jesus. And, and because he did that, Paul was suffered. That it was anything but comfortable. He he was ridiculed, he was stripped, he was beaten. He was even thrown into prison because he shared his faith with them. And eventually he left and came to Thessalonica. And even after that, Paul says that because I love you, I actually dared to share my faith with you. Despite all the opposition, all the cost that, and the risk that was ahead of me, I decided to open my mouth for, and tell you about my faith one more time. Again, it took courage for Paul to share his faith. And I think it takes courage for us to do the same. Think about your family. Think about like one of your high school friends. Think about that conversation where you would open your mouth to tell them about a relationship with Jesus. Think about having that conversation with them. Like how, like explain to them how you've come to know God, how, what God is doing in your life. And even picture yourself inviting them to follow Christ as well. That can be an intimidating thing. Like that can be daunting. That can be scary. And, and Paul says it was for him too, and, and it was for me. I remember right after coming to Christ, one of the first conversations I ever got to have about my new faith was with my dad. 
And, and growing up, my dad was my hero. I, I looked up to my dad. I wanted to be just like my dad. But but by the time I came to Christ in college, um, a lot of things, a lot of hard things had happened. And my dad and I didn't really talk much at that point. And, uh, and my dad had some pretty strong opinions about faith and not the best opinions. But, but if there was one person I wanted to, to experience this relationship with Jesus like I was, it was my dad. And so I remember um, having the thought of sharing my faith with God. It was, it was like this. It was the thought of like looking up Mount Everest and someone asking you, like, are you going to do it? Like it was intimidating. But I remember one day I went to his office at his work, and I remember being there because I wanted to tell him what God was doing in my life. And I remember he's sitting in his office chair. I'm sitting in, in another chair, and, I'm, and I was there for one reason, and I wanted to, to tell my dad um, about Jesus, and I began to. And my voice got so weak. I could barely talk. I started stuttering like I forgot how to speak English. And eventually, I just started crying to my dad. I wanted my dad to know what I was experiencing too, and I, and I, and I just got through it, but I just, I just started crying. I, I couldn't even know how to, to tell him about Jesus, and I, and, I, and I shared what I believed, and I invited him. And, um, but I, before I did that, you know there's questions that go through your mind. There's questions like, what's, what's he going to think of me? What's going to happen if, my, if I open up my mouth about Jesus? What's, what's going to change about our relationship and the truth is, sharing your faith, no matter who it is, is always scary because there's always a risk. You don't, you don't know what is going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen when you share your faith. And there's an author named Rico Tice, and he's right, he wrote a book called Honest Evangelism. And, and he describes that sharing your faith, you always have to cross this threshold of risk and the potential of pain and hurt. That if I want to open my mouth about Jesus, I have to cross what he calls a pain line. And on one side of the pain line, there's comfort. There, there's ease. There, there's really no risk because you haven't opened your mouth or shared your faith. But there's no impact. There's no impact. But if you want to see impact, you have to cross that pain line of risk and in in walk into the unknown. But that's where impact is. And Paul says, what gets you over the pain line is love. Love for the other person. Like love is what gave Paul courage. And it's the only thing that keeps me sharing my faith with my dad, even though it's scary every time. It's, it's love. But why is love so deeply connected to the, as the motivation to share your faith? Why is love so connected? And, and I think because love not only gives us courage, but love moves people to meet needs. Um, over Christmas, uh, I got to go to Colorado with my wife and her family. The whole time, she was sick. She had the flu. It was rough. Um, I'm like, what am I going to do? My wife is an only child, and so it's me, her, and her parents. And uh, it was chill. She couldn't get off the couch, but she was really sick. By the second day, I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, she really needs Tylenol severe flu, some Sudafed, and some vanilla bean ice cream. And I was like... I got up early. I was like, she needed it so bad. I was like, I'm going to get up early the next day and drive down the mountain into the mountain town and get to a pharmacy and, and get, some, get some of these things that she needs. And do you guys think that was like a huge burden for me to do? Like, 
no. Like I was like, I was actually like, I'm excited to do this. Like this is actually kind of fun. I think any good friend in here, probably all of you guys would do the same thing for someone you cared about. Any good husband, I'm trying to be, um, but I think would, would say the same thing. Like if you love someone, you just want to meet their needs. No matter what they are, you just want to meet their, their needs. But God does this in a cosmically greater way. That God says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have um, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loved us so much that he sent his son to not just meet a need, but to meet the greatest need the world has ever known. And Paul knew this. Paul knew and love drove Paul to share his faith because he knew what people's greatest need was. Paul knew that sin had separated people from God and that the only way back to God was Jesus. I want to let that sink in for a second. People's only way back to God is Jesus. That's a bold statement. Hey, there's no other way back to God but Jesus but Jesus made incredibly bold statements himself when he walked on earth. And one of the craziest statements he ever made in the Bible was this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a bold statement and unless it's true. And, and it is true. Like in all the world religions there has ever been, in all the philosophies that the world has ever known, there has never been a solution for man's sin. Forgiveness is only found in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But it doesn't end there. Not only did he die on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, but in his resurrection, Jesus not only proved to be true, but he proved that through his resurrection, he could give people a brand new life, an abundant life through relationship with him. And God sent his son out of love to meet people's greatest need and to bring people back to God to make a way. But Jesus really is the only way. And, and that can be hard. That can be hard to wrestle with. Like in my mind, like Jesus, without Jesus, people can't come back to God Pastor David Platt put it this way. It's a long quote, but I'm just going to summarize it real quick. He says, the more that I understand God's story, where my life fits into that story, the more I understand who God is and what every, everything that God has done to offer sinners salvation. And the more that I understand that, the more that I understand my own sin, how rebellious I have been and how rebellious I can still be. Yet God made a way for sinners like me to be forgiven and come back into relationship with him is amazing. Like, it's, it's, it's not amazing that God only made one way. David Platt saying, it is amazing that God made a way at all for us to come back into relationship with him. And Paul not only believed that, but he experienced that. Paul, who wrote our passage, went from persecuting Christians, throwing them into prison, kill, killing many, many Christians and hating Jesus to having this incredible encounter with Jesus on his way to kill more Christians. And he not only saw Christ for who he really was, but he turned from his life of sin, trusted in Christ for forgiveness and began to follow him. In the rest of Paul's life, he could never get over this amazing reality that God could give someone even like him 
true forgiveness, like in a new record, an eternal life, something only that Jesus could do through his work on the cross. And because of that, Paul writes this verse. He says, I am unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. It's the, it's the power. It's the only power. And Paul says, because of that, I am unashamed. That word unashamed uh, means to feel shame, to feel shame, or to ashamed means to feel shame for something. And Paul says, I don't feel any shame about being connected to Jesus. I don't feel shame. I don't, I don't get ashamed about this. I'm not ashamed to tell people about Jesus. When I think about people that are unashamed, not ashamed, I think of a Chiefs fan. Like, I mean, Chiefs fan, you will see at Arrowhead Stadium, normal people who, who work a normal job on Monday dress up like a crazy kook on Sunday with nut, like all, all sorts of crazy things because they're unashamed about their team. They don't care what people think of them or what they look like. They just love the Chiefs. They are unashamed. And Paul is saying he is the same way about Jesus. And Paul's saying he's unashamed because he's unashamed, because he loved people. He knew that, that sharing his faith with people was the most loving thing he could ever do. I think in, in today's world, like we miss this connection between love and, and this idea of sharing our faith. Um, actually, in, in this is for the millennials, but there is a study by the Barna Research Group. We're all Gen Z's in here. But, but, but practicing Christians, practicing Christians in America, that 47% of them b- believe it is wrong to share your faith with the hopes of someone else coming to follow Christ. Like practicing Christians, and I'm sure more and more of, of our generation, that's a higher number. And I think it's because we miss the, the important truth that share, sharing our faith is the, most, is the most loving thing we could do. It's like this idea that if you had spent your whole life in a suffering from a terminal illness, that they, like you had this very specific type of sickness and disease that affected your entire life. It has affected your ability to walk, the ability to breathe, everything you've ever done physically. And, and though you have tried everything, nothing has ever worked and brought significant healing to your life. But as you've had this disease, there's actually someone that you've spent years with on a hospital floor that's had the exact same disease that you have. And you've lived with them. And as you've spent time with them, you've just got to know them so well. Like you have, you have watched movies together. You've told stories together. You've laughed together. You've cried together. You've shared your dreams with each other. And you've even suffered through the idea that this sickness is going to kill you both. And, and you just... And, and you've just shared all the highs and lows with this person, and you love them. You care about them. But then one day, someone comes into your hospital room and tells you about this new medicine that they are confident that it will cure your disease that you've been suffering your entire life from. And they ask you, do you want to hear about it? And you say, yes. I'm like, yes, I want to hear about it. So they begin to tell you, and the more you hear about it, the more your confidence in it grows. And eventually, you commit to this this treatment. You are all about it. It is your only hope. And, and not only does this treatment work a little bit, but it, this treatment changes everything for your life. Your symptoms are going away. Your body is being restored. You're experiencing healing that you never, ever thought was possible. 
a whole new life. You have a whole new life. And you're out in the world now, out of the hospital, enjoying this. But then one day, you remember your friend in the hospital, still suffering with the disease because no one's told them about this treatment option yet. Imagine thinking about your friend or imagine even seeing them. Imagine even like being in the same room and they're, and they're still being sick and thinking, yeah, I don't know if I want to share this with them. I, I think I just might keep this one to myself. I don't know if it's honestly worth the conversation with the effort to tell them about this treatment. Like, that would never, that would never, ever happen. Like, no way this would be true. If you had actually experienced a, 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 a treatment, a healing like that, you probably wouldn't, couldn't wait to tell them what it was doing in your life so that they could experience the same thing. Like, you would, you would have, you've probably told everyone who has experienced this, had the same disease. And you would, you'd probably overcome obstacles no matter what to tell people about it because you want, you would want them to experience the same thing that you have. Like, there's no way that you would think about them or see them be like, yeah, not worth it. You would love to tell them. You would delight to tell them. And that's what we get to do when we share our faith. We get to share with people the only hope that they have for their greatest need in their life, which is the forgiveness of sins and eternal life found in Jesus. And because we love people and because love gives us courage and a desire, we share. We share because we love. But Paul says there's actually two things, or before we actually get there, take a second, just one minute with the people around you to discuss what sticks out most about how love motivates us to share our faith and why. I'm going to bring us back. And so for the rest, the rest of that verse in first says, Paul not, gives us what are the two things that we do share when we share our faith and what does it look like? And the first thing that we're going to see is that we share the news. What do we share? We share the news. And we get that from the rest of that verse. And he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God being the first thing that we share, the gospel of God. Gospel simply means good news. When he says the gospel of God, is he's sharing the good news of God. What is news? News is, is an event. It is as simple as that. News is an event. It's something that happened. It's a reality. An example of this, the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl in 2020 and won. That is news. It happened. It's real. Or an example of uh, Johnny went to SMC in 2022. That is, that is news. That's an, an example of something that has happened. To share news with someone is to tell someone about an event that occurred or, or a reality that is true. And this is what we get to do when we share our faith. We're simply, we're telling them the news about God. And so what is that news? The first thing, and I'm just going to break it into three things that make it memorable. And the news is going to come in the reality, the remedy, and the response. The reality is that our sin has separated us from God. It's the reality of our sin that we have sinned against a just and holy God. And that because of that, we are deserving of an eternal separation from him. That is the reality. And if left on our own, that we will be judged for our sin without a remedy. But luckily there's a remedy. That's the news. And the news is the remedy is Jesus. It's the news of, of what God did through him. That, that 
God, the news, this an event that happened that God sent his son into the world to live a perfect life, totally free of sin, that no one else could do, and that he died on a cross for the forgiveness of sin. That's an event that God, that happened. And that, that he not only died for the forgiveness of sin, but that he rose from the dead to give people new life. That is the news. He, he, he came, he died, and he rose. And, and so reality, the remedy, and the response, and that the response is, is that there is a need to respond to this news through repentance and faith. Paul dared to open his mouth and share the gospel because he knew that if someone didn't tell them this news, if he didn't tell them this news, who would? And we see that in Romans 10, 14 and 17. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. These are rhetorical questions. Paul's saying, hey, how, how can someone call on someone they, they've never believed in? They can't. But how can they believe in someone they have not heard? They can't. And how can they hear unless someone tells them? They can't. Someone has to tell them. He says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. In order for someone to experience and enjoy forever the treasure of Jesus, they have to first hear the news of Jesus. They have to first hear the news. And in order for someone to hear the news, someone has to tell them. And I think the Bible paints a picture of this like planting a seed. Like planting a seed of corn. You got any K-State people in here? Y'all probably could tell me all about this. Any ag majors? Yep. Um, always is, man. Never fails. Um, well, if you are, if you're an ag major, you're in good company of the Bible because the God loves to talk about farming, and a picture God often uses farming to help us understand what what it would look like to actually share our faith, and that He says that that, that sharing your faith is often this idea, like what it means to, to share the news is the same as what it would look like to plant a seed. That if I want to see a, a, a tomato plant grow, what is most undeniable without any doubt um, is the most necessary step is not to till the soil. It's not to water the ground super well. It's not to get it all nice and fertilized. I could, I could do that all I want. But unless I plant the seed, no plant will ever grow. That if I want a tomato plant to grow, a seed at some point has to be planted in the dirt. And the seed is this news about Jesus. It's this good news about Jesus. And planting that seed is the process of just telling someone about that news of Jesus. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. God works in the hearts of people, but we get to plant the seed. After my sophomore year, after I went to SMC, um, I actually decided to do something I never thought I would ever do. Um, and, I, and I decided to spend my summer investing in my faith. The following summer after SMC, going to Kaleo. And at Kaleo, I got training on how to share this news about Jesus and how to have conversations 
to do just that. And, and, and at the end of the summer, I, I was, uh, as God was really beginning to change my life, I had just come to Christ at the beginning of that summer. I was beginning to experience this life of following God. And, and, and though I knew that I was kind of going out to my pledge class and to my friends that they were hearing about what God was doing into my life. But, and I was nervous what they were going to think. I was, I was low-key or high-key scared. I was like, man, I don't know what this is going to be like. Um, but I, at the, by the summer, well, as it was ending, I actually got really excited to share, to share with them. And, and, and though I was thinking about a lot of people, my family, my, my friends, there was one person that God was really putting on my heart that last day at Kaleo. And it's my best friend since kindergarten, maybe my best friend in the, in the whole world, um, all the way into college. His name was David. This is my, 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 my buddy David. Um, we had gone to preschool together and, and remained friends all the way through high school, going into college. But David was wild. Like, David played college baseball. And just like me and all my, my high school friends, um, his life seemed very far from God and, and just getting further. Um, and I remember God really beginning to put David on my heart. Like, I wanted my best friend to know Christ, too. And so when I got home that summer, David was the first person I called up. I was like, I just asked him, hey, can we hang? And, and I remember um, talking to him about the summer. He was catching me up about his, and, and I knew that whole night I wanted to tell them, him this news. I, I, I figured that David, I knew David had grown up kind of hearing about God and grown up going to church occasionally, but I figured that David was in the same boat as me, that no one had really ever explained this news about Jesus and how there's a response to it and what this life of following Christ was. No one had ever done that before. My, my pledge dad did that for me in my sophomore year, and I figured David was just like me. And I remember driving around my neighborhood in his Corolla right by the pool, and finally God gave me the courage to just look at him and be like, hey, bro, can I please share this illustration that just sums up the main theme of the Bible? Um, and he was like, sure. And I remember walking him through that and getting to, to tell him this news of Jesus. Um, and, and you know what happened after I did? Not much. Like, not not really much. He was he was thankful. He looked at me and said, "Thanks for thanks for sharing that, dude. I, I appreciate that." And we we had a good conversation. I told him I think I told him how much I, I cared about him and I, and I loved him. And he was like, "Dude, I love you too." And I remember he dropped me off and, and uh, at home, and, and that was that. Nothing much I thought had ever happened. Um, but but I got to share. I got to plant a seed that day with my best friend, and I got to tell him about Christ. And that's what we get to do when we get to share our faith. We get to plant a seed. But God says that he not only wants us to share the news, but he wants us to share our life. And we see this in the last passage. And that's part of that passage that we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because it becomes so dear to us. That we want to share our life. That if sharing our faith is as simple as just communicating the news... If it, would, if it just stopped there, it would, it would honestly just be a transactional thing and, and not really much love there. There would be. To share the news is, is amazing. It's their only hope. They need to hear it. But Paul and the Bible doesn't just leave it there. It, actually, we get to see the heart of, of sharing our faith is relationships. It's like truly loving people through friendships and relationships. And Paul's er, in, in the Bible, in John, 1 John 3.18 says, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. That to love someone fully can't merely stop at words. We need to share it. They have to hear. They have to, they have to hear it at one point. But we must continue to love them through real actions and with our life. And we get to see God begin to work through our life. And what's amazing is that when someone comes to know, know Christ, God 
puts his Holy Spirit actually inside that person. And, and God begins to live inside that person. That, that power begins to actually transform that person's life. They become more and more like Jesus. And so when we let people into our lives through friendships and let them close to our life, they actually begin to get a picture of Jesus. I've heard this quote many times, but it says, For most people, the first or only Bible they will ever read is your life. The first or only Bible someone might ever read is your life. And that they're going to see a picture of God through your life. And we first get to see this in Jesus. That God spoke to us through his word and through the prophets over many centuries. He revealed to people about who he was and what he was like through his word. But he didn't stop there. That God didn't just leave his word to reveal himself. He actually chose to become a human and to make himself known in the greatest way possible by becoming just like us and give us, giving us a living picture that we can understand of what God is like. And we see this in, in John 1. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, had made him known. That God, that God lets us, that God gave his son to represent him in, in, in a way that we could understand this. And, but what's amazing is that God, um, God invited people, like as, as when he came to earth through Jesus, he invited people up close and personal to his life. And he gave a special seat to 12 people called the apostles and a, and a few extra women just got to be extra close to his life. They got to live with him. They got to eat with him. They got to travel with him. They got to see Jesus laugh and dance and cry. They got to see Jesus love people and eventually suffer and go to the cry, go to the cross. And they got to see Jesus' life because Jesus shared it with them. Like he led them in on his life. And, I, and one of my favorite pictures is a story in Mark 2. And it's a story of Jesus calling this guy named Levi to come and follow him. And Levi was this far off, like dirty, like scoundrel is what the Bible would call him. He's a tax collector. And the tax collector were the furthest people away from God. Like the, if, if this guy would never be able to come near to God. And we see Jesus coming close to Levi and, and actually calling Levi to come and follow him. He says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. He said, follow me. Levi had been watching him from a distance for several, several days now. And Jesus told him, or Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. But the, so Levi got to see Jesus' life, and he actually begins to follow Jesus because of it. But what's amazing in this story is Levi then in turn does the very same thing. But as he begins to follow Jesus, he doesn't go... Deuces to my friends. He actually goes straight back to the friends that he used to run around with who, who were far from God. And he just invites Jesus in his life to come and hang with them. And, he, and Levi actually throws a party. He says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners, all of Levi's friends, come over and were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Levi decided to make a decision to follow Jesus. And he goes, hey, I want my friends to know Jesus. So I'm just going to go hang out with my friends again and show them my brand new life with Jesus in my life right beside me. A guy named Palmer was the guy who shared the gospel with me. But, but a guy's life named Nathan in my house really was this for me. Nathan um, was the house drug dealer in Fisod. He was crazy. But then God radically tra transformed his life. 
and he began to, to share his faith with all the guys in my fraternity. I got to see Nathan like serve his pledge brothers, like pick him up late night. I got to see Nathan. He cared for me. He asked me great questions. He asked me the, the questions that like no one has ever asked me. He like gave rides to people. He he get, he like helped pay pay for people who like needed it. He like bought me bought us meals and people in the house like. Nathan loved us so much, and I got to see Nathan's life. This was Nathan on a, on a, on a camping trip. I got to go, go to him, go with him just a couple of days after I came to Christ. Nathan invited me into his life, and I got to see what Jesus was really like. I'd never seen that before I saw Nathan's life, and, and I remember being so compelled by it. I wanted to know who this God was because it, if something was different about Nathan's life. And so when I came to Christ— I got to do the same thing back with my high school friends and, and David. And my, my buddy David got to hang with them, got to kick it, um, got to hang with my pledge brothers, and, and just got to be different, got to follow Christ in front of them, invite them into my life. And, and it was a ton of fun, and, 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 I'm, and I'm so grateful for Nathan doing that for me. And so we not only get to share the, the, share the, the, the news about Jesus, but you, you get to share your life with someone. That through your life, people get to come to know who God really is. And so I just got a couple application questions about some next steps real quick. And the first one is just pray. Pray like crazy. I don't, I don't have this up here a picture, but this, this stand is, is, has three legs. If sharing the news is one leg, sharing your life is the second leg. Two legs on this stand, it can't stand. It needs a third leg, and that third leg is prayer. Just Prayer is what moves everything when we try to share our life. Praying for God to, to work in people's life. The second thing is share your story. Share it with someone. Just tell them what God is doing in their life. How, you're, how, you're, how God is changing your life and, and, that, and that what God is doing. Like how you've come to believe in him and how, how you're, what you're experiencing. A new joy, a new hope, a new peace, a new purpose. What God is doing in your life. Share your story with your friends and family. The third is serve the people around you. Man, Nathan served like crazy in, in the five-side house, and I, and I got to see it, and it was different. I, it was like obviously something was different in his life. He would have never have done that before, but now he was, and it didn't make sense, and it, and, it, and it makes people curious. Hey, what is different about you? Why are you loving? Why are you serving people? It's huge with your family as well. It actually gives evidence that your life is different, that there's power in Jesus. The fourth one is just show gratitude. Gratitude is 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 infectious that when you're thankful you're joyful and when you're joyful people want to know why because it stands out it stands out to people and so just show gratitude to people and show gratitude about god what god has done and the last one is get training that maybe besides praying the most important thing if, if you want to learn how to share your faith ask someone to help you or go take advantage of an opportunity to learn how to do that. I know for me, Kalei was a big one. But, but ask someone who you're close to, maybe someone who shared their faith with you. Ask them, hey, can you teach me how to share my faith with others? I'm going to conclude with, with this. That, that night that, night that uh, I shared my faith, I came back from that summer, and, and I, I was in David's Corolla. Um, I, I, I did. I wrote, I wrote out an illustration that I learned at, at Kaleo. And uh, I, I was not planning on, on – I might cry. I was not planning on sharing this, but uh, I, I wrote out an illustration that just sums up the gospel. And, uh, and it was simple. It was clear. I didn't come up with it. Someone taught me. Someone shared it with me, and so I shared it with David, and, uh, and nothing really happened for two years. And we, David and I remained friends, and, and uh, on New Year's Eve this year, David sent me this text. And he, and he said, 
found this from when you first ever shared the gospel with me. Wow. August 1st, 2016. I can't thank the Lord enough for sending you as his messenger. And, and I'm not, I, I, I did not ask him to send that. It blew my mind. I, had never, I didn't even know he still had that. And the reason why he sent that is because two years later, David investigated his faith. He actually came to Christ. And on January 3rd, 2018, David, this guy that was far off from the gospel, gave his life to Christ. And because he gave his life to Christ and God began to transform his life, David's trajectory has changed forever. And, 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 and he goes from a broken family to now being married this past August with a, with a full life. And, and one of the guys I look up to the most and I respect his life more than ever is because of Jesus and, and the gospel. And, and, I, and, and the best memory, the best thing I mean, I've ever gotten to experience is to see that God changed someone else's life. Not because of anything of me. But we, but we get to see, when we share our faith, when we share the good news of Jesus, and we share our life with people, we get to see God do amazing things in other people's lives, even things we'll never thought were possible. And so hopefully continue to love on your day ones, that to love on your day one people is to share your faith. It's the most loving thing we could ever do with someone. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're rolling out to the main session. So dear God, uh, we pray, and we just thank you for Jesus and this treasure. And we pray that you would ask us, or you would help us, to uh, to help us to learn how to share our faith and give us courage and boldness. I know it can be scary; it is for me, Lord. And so, give us the courage, and give us the motivation, and help us to love the people around us. And we, and we thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen.